today I have my very special guest with me, the love of my life, the famous now Bishop Brian. Bishop of the people. <laughs> That's true. That's what you were called this weekend, weren't you? Yes, I was the Bishop of the people because I dare to preach in Jesus shorts and, and shorts. shorts and wear t-shirts and... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's no, me. Nothing fancy this weekend. Nothing fancy anytime. That's, that's true. Wait, wait, that's not true. We have been on a few trips lately, and the most recent one, we spent the weekend in Santa Barbara where we did ministry for our young adults. Of the uh, state of California. Of the state of California conference. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. Brian got to speak three different times. I got to do a class. It was kind of fun. It was a great weekend. Oh, and I love those. I love those young adults. I think they're special kids, and I say kids with all kinds of respect. By the way, that's only because they're most of them are twenty plus years younger than us. Yeah, <laughs> they're kids. Definitely. I had to remind him on the way back that we are old. Like we're the old people. Let me live in my denial. That's what <laughs> I got to say about that. All I have to do is look in the mirror to see all of the white hair that I have and you can go ahead and take a look in the mirror too mister and look at some of that hair on your face that is white stop lying let's go <laughs> and uh, then we also got to spend some time in Oklahoma that was really cool and that is why I'm teasing him about being a bishop because he was as our daughter calls it knighted and he became a bishop which is really cool. It's a huge honor in our organization, something that he doesn't take lightly. So it was really cool. We've had a lot of adventures, I guess, lately. Riding yeah. scooters. That was an adventure. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a it's been a kind of a trippy summer so far because typically I don't go anywhere because of the ranch. And uh, I've kind of taken a little bit of a risk, but I had to work extra hard to uh, allow us to do what we need to do. But. Which is actually the perfect lead-in for what we're going to talk about. If there is no risk, there is no reward. That's right. So the story that we're going to talk about, which I think we're just going to pull a few key points out, and I think it's really interesting, is actually found in the book of John, chapter 11. And it's the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus was the guy that dies and then Jesus goes, calls his name, he comes out, everybody's happy. Okay, that is the super duper cliff note version of the story. But I think there are some tidbits in here that are really interesting. John wrote the book, obviously. He was writing about this account. And there's something he says in here that I found pretty interesting. And it's actually in verse 5, and it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And I couldn't remember any other stories where it specifically said, Jesus loved blank. There's, I'm sure there's some. If you're listening and you're a Bible scholar, feel free to let me know. But the fact that John specifically wrote this, that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, I think speaks to the personal relationship that Jesus had with these three siblings. I'd say the pastor inside of me wants to know what love was mentioned there, which type of love, because in the Greek, 
there are different types of love. And, um, you know, I, I would jump on my logo software right now and tell you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think he was mentioning that they were close. Yeah. I mean, we have to remember guys that the gospels was written and it doesn't account for every single day that Jesus did ministry for three and a half years. Which would actually be kind of nice, though, because then we would know every single type of person Jesus had to deal with. And in ministry, there's like Baskin-Robin 31 flavors. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say they were all basket cases, and that's that's true, too. <laughs> yeah, that sometimes, sometimes that's true about us. Sometimes we're the basket case. <laughs> but the point is that Jesus does love every single one of us, but... He, he had a fondness and a closeness for the, these three siblings. And I think it was important for John to really uh, let the reader know that, look, this isn't just another random person needing a miracle. This These are actually people he was close to right. and would consider them family right. practically. Yeah. You know, it was the, the, that's the closeness that he had with these siblings. And I think it's interesting that verse 5 says that Jesus loved them. And then verse 6 says when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and then decided to go to where Lazarus' sisters were. Well, obviously, Jesus knew what was going to happen. I mean, Jesus knew that this had to be played out in a certain way. And even scripture tells us that. But... For everyone else, they're like, don't you love this guy? Why are you not running to his side? And there's a, even a little micro lesson in that, or even a micro sermon, if you will, about, you know, just because there's a need doesn't mean that you have to rush in. Sometimes you have to allow those things to fester a little bit and then listen to when it's time to go and take care of business. Uh, yeah. Always be willing to take care of business. You know, hear me on that. Obedience but- is key. Absolutely. But doing the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And I've said that a couple of times during our retreat this last weekend. And it, I think it really grabbed home to some of the young adults because it's always like, see a need, feel a need, see a need, feel a need. Well, sometimes you see a need and the Holy Spirit will prompt you to say, no, just chill for a second. Mm-hmm. Take you a know? back seat for yeah. a minute. And- yeah. I'm doing something here. Yeah. And I think this is a great story that we, we hear and we read here in John chapter 11 about, hey, there was a need, but Jesus yeah. chilled. I mean, what? Yeah. He didn't go run into the need. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't go run into the to the the chaos, the trauma, the whatever it could be going on. No, he chilled because there was something bigger at play. Right, and that's where we always try to get in the way. <laughs> Is we see something going on in somebody's life, and we think, and I've done this myself, made this mistake where I think I need to have the answer right now. I need to I need to jump in. I need to fix X, Y, and Z. I need to give them, you know, whatever it is that they need in order for life to be comfortable. But I feel like so often Jesus calls us to discomfort in order for something bigger to happen. Because I, I've actually been reading a book that I think is really interesting. Um, and it's talking about Hannah and how she prayed for God to give her a son. And there had to be a time of barrenness before she birthed her son that became the prophet who was after over a hundred years of God being silent to the people, her son was the one who gave the word of the Lord to the people again. 
But there was a time of barrenness because the Bible tells us that the Lord shut Hannah's womb. And so sometimes that uncomfortableness, there's still something happening. And we can't just run and fix it. Most of the time when there's nothing happening, what the byproduct of that becomes is dependence. Yeah. And we depend even more on God. We ask the why questions. Yeah. We we say, man, I, I, you know, I need to know right now because we have this tendency to say, hey, it's about me. And yeah. I think when we remove ourselves and our emotions and we're really to step back and say, God, what are you doing here? Yeah. I think that's a much better question and a much more balanced question. And actually a much more mature question is to say, God, what are you doing here and what can I learn? What can I learn even in my waiting, yeah. even in my period of, of, of just taking a chill pill, I'm still depending on you. I'm yeah. still looking to you for the answers. And that is exactly what God wants. He is not a vending machine and nor does he want to nuke everything for us. Like in some sort of microwave <laughs> instant satisfaction. Yeah. He wants us to know that he cares about us and he's going to prepare for us. Like Psalm 23 says, a a meal before our enemies. And he's going to do that by preparing the meal, by taking the time, by making sure it marinates. I mean, he, he, I mean, and I, I'm, all these are symbolic of what are, what we do in life. Because if anytime we had a need and we went to God and God rushed to our, he would just become a vending machine for us. Yeah. And, and it would just be a tool that we would use rather than a God that we should serve. And what would be really cool since you brought that up, the 23rd Psalm, he said when David wrote that Psalm for him to say that the Lord prepares a banquet table you have to think about how their festivities went. When they had a banquet, when they were having a feast. Oh, it was big time. And it, and they didn't have the modern day amenities like we had, you know. They went out and they had to literally get the lamb and the cow and the chickens. Like they had to go get live animals. They had to prepare the animal. They had to slaughter the animal. They had to do all the butchering that it took. They had to... Put the meat with, put the salt on the meat. They had to prepare everything for that. So it took time. And so, and so David would have understood that, that it took time. And he dealt with that throughout his life multiple times, was having to wait on God to give him the next step. The, the, the con- next victory. The context of Psalm 23 before the banquet is that he's in the valley. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's, he's wandering in the valley and he's, uh, you know, God says, I am your rod. Mm-hmm. I am your staff. I, you know, I, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death and you shall feel no evil. I mean, he, this is, this is the a matter of weight. And here Jesus is in, in, in John chapter 11, here he is waiting, even though there is all this drama going going on in Judea because of the siblings, and one of them has fallen sick and ill and has passed away. And so Jesus decides that he's going to wait, and then he tells the disciples, we're going to go back to Judea. And the disciples kind of freak out because they said, you know, just a little while ago, the Jews are trying to stone you, and yet here you go, hopping on your... Uh, Donkey 300 trying to go through. Donkey 300, oh, wow. Uber donkey. (laughs) It's only the best for Jesus. And so he's going, and they were surprised 
why would you want to go back there? Why would you want to go? And so then Jesus says, our friend Lazarus in verse 11, he's fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And so in verse 12, when the disciples replies, Lord, if he's asleep, he will get better. Like these guys were not thinking after all the times that Jesus had talked to them in like allegories and parables and imagery, they literally thought that Lazarus was just like, he wasn't feeling good. He was taking a nap. So, and they're like, well, just let him sleep then. He'll be fine. I'm going to give them a break because you and I can't even communicate. We've been married for 23 years and we can't communicate sometimes. Sometimes you say apple and I think you say orange. So that's because you mumble. I am a professional communicator and a bishop. So I, you know what? You need to ask for forgiveness right now. Uh, nope. So Jesus has to clarify and he says, Jesus had to speak to them plainly. And he says, basically Lazarus is dead. And he says, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because then you will believe. And then he says, but let us go to them. And I think it's kind of funny that uh, Thomas in verse 16 There's another version, actually, that says that Thomas leans over and speaks to the person closest to him, so the person next to him. And I tend to do this often, unfortunately, is if I'm sitting next to either our daughter or um, my friend Veronica or my friend Erica in church, well, like, you'll be preaching and we have this thought and then all of a sudden we lean over and kind of whisper under our breath. Yes, I know. I, I recognize the distraction. That you guys we have try to be other. quiet, but unfortunately we typically end up laughing about something. So anyway, so this is basically what Thomas did. He leans over and he says, well, let us also go. So we'll all die with him. So doing a little bit of research, there's a couple of things that people think that that he means by this. Personally, I like to take the sarcastic route because I think that this makes more sense <laughs> is that he's basically saying, well, let us all go and die then. If he if Jesus is going to die, we're all going to go with him. So he's kind of like, if you're going, we're going. And so he's he's okay to go and be a part of the, I don't know, the imminent death that he believes oh is there goodness, in yeah. Judea. I love how we always like look at the risk and like, it's so big and disgusting and I don't want to do it. And <laughs> and that's exactly like in ministry, it happens all the time. Ministry, guys, is not always fun. It's not always glamorous. The, you know, there is a lot of behind the scenes, get dirty and get in the muck and see the worst than people. Those are things that happen all the time. Yeah, it does. It happens constantly, and we don't want to take the risk. But thankfully, Jesus is willing to take the risk and to love us, to reach out, to see us, to meet us where we are. And I think that that's really interesting. So we're going to skip a little bit more here forward. And Jesus goes to, to the tomb where Lazarus has been laid And the Bible is very clear about saying that he had already been dead for four days. Yeah, he was dead, dead. He was was way dead. He was so dead. All the way dead. And so Jesus goes to the tomb, and there's the story is very interesting. I would highly recommend that you go back and read the entire story, uh, John chapter 11 of this. But um, Jesus says to her 
in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha answers again, a little bit tongue in cheek here. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. <laughs> She's like, I see a wave of a finger and a, and a, and a, and a whipping of the neck. And I, yeah, when she says yeah, that, she's yeah. like, I know, I know he is. She's not thinking right now, but then I love what Jesus says to her in verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And there's this moment where he's just telling her something that is so true and she she grasps it and she says, I believe that you are the Messiah. And so after this, they go to the tomb and Jesus, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in between, but then Jesus goes to the tomb and then of course, verse 35 is the shortest verse. Do you know what it is? I do. What is it? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And I find that really interesting because here was Jesus just moments away from bringing Lazarus back to life. And yet he took the time to stop and to, to sit in the hurt with the people that were hurting. Even though it was going to turn into joy in like two seconds. <laughs> but he was willing to sit down in the middle of what it was that they were feeling at that moment and, and to be on their level for that time. So before Lazarus even is coming out of the grave, Jesus is dealing with disciples who doubt him, are afraid, uh, and don't want to. The fear, yeah. And the fear of going back through Judea, knowing that Jesus is a wanted man. <laughs> right. Uh, he goes on the road. He has to uh, confront confusion about is he asleep naturally or is he dead? <laughs> uh, not Jesus, of course, Lazarus. And then. Then he's on the way to the road, and then the sisters greet him with all kinds of, but if you were here, but, you know, all these yeah. questions. Which is what we do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Jesus has to correct all that, and then he's going to the, as he's approaching the grave, then all of a sudden now he feels the emotion of the mourners, and he joins in with them. Yeah. He, he doesn't, he's not... I mean, he is the supreme being. However, in he, that moment, he was comforting. He was completely right there. He was relevant to the crowd. He was he was one of them. He was mourning Lazarus, even though he knew yeah. Lazarus was coming up. Yeah, I love that. I love that he did that. And then Jesus finally gets to the tomb, and he says. Um, he calls his name. He just, he, he calls his name out and he says, Lazarus, come out. And when he does this, there was nothing, but the thing he does before he actually just calls his name, he actually prayed. And it says in verse 41, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always heard me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. He took the time to address and acknowledge his father. And then it says, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And it says, immediately he came out, still wrapped in grave clothes. And they tell him, Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I think God calls all of us at different points in our lives, sometimes 
multiple times. Sometimes it's a calling when we're young and we just follow the path that God has put for us because it is something that's just resonated in our hearts because, you know, we, for me, growing up in a Christian home, it was, there was never a wondering, you know, is God real? Um, And I'm thankful for that because that confidence that I had from an infant (laughs) forever in my life, um, that constant, uh, I was able to go through some things in life that have really kind of rocked my world. And yet I still have that faith. But I would never say that your faith is less than my faith, even though you came to the knowledge of Jesus at a much older age than I did. Yeah. Well, I I think there are so many people and characters in the story of Lazarus that we can relate to any one of them. We can mm-hmm. relate to Mary and Martha who said, Jesus, where have you been? Like, where yeah. are you? Like in the middle of my chaos, in the middle of my, my hurt, where are you? I yeah. call out to you and yet you rested for a couple of days. Yeah. You chilled yeah. out. What's up with that? <laughs> you know, uh, it, you could be, uh, you could be one of the disciples who are afraid to take risk and go back through a place that is risky to actually do mission ministry. And, and ministry. Yeah. You can be Lazarus even, and you feel dead to everyone and you feel numb emotionally and you need Jesus to call you out of that grave and and to take off those grave clothes and be and to clothe you with the righteousness of Christ you can be either any one of those uh, characters you can be one of the mourners who have been stuck in mourning for so long and yet Jesus wants to show you that there is gladness through the morning yeah. and 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 Jesus recognized that by weeping himself there are so many characters in John chapter 11 that we can just relate to uh, and maybe a little bit of all of them um, but at the end of the day as believers of Christ we should be like Jesus in the sense that we need to not be afraid to go and take the risk we shouldn't be afraid to to be obedient to the father and the father says wait then we wait that uh, we shouldn't be afraid to to courageously in the name of Jesus uh, ask for uh, miracles ask for um, healing ask for uh, things that are going on in people's lives you know resurrection even you know these are the things that Christ has called us to and we should be more like Christ, even when all the voices around us tell us why and how come we should still keep moving forward. And so I think the encouragement here, uh, the whole purpose of the Chirpcast is to encourage is I, I think that the encouragement here is that it's okay. It's okay to be one of those characters Yeah. because at the end, there's a redemption story for you too. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope that you were encouraged today. I hope that, um, the chirp cast and the topics and the Bible scriptures and stories that I talk about that Brian and I talk about together. I hope that it encourages you to want to pick up your Bible and to really dig in and just kind of reread the stories and, and realize that they're not just fairy tales. These are real, actual lives that people lived and the things that happened to them, they were real. And, you know, maybe you have a story to tell and you're just kind of sitting on it because you don't really want to say anything and you don't want to talk about when you were Lazarus, when you were dead. But I believe that God is calling us loudly 
to be voices in the wilderness as I believe that the time of his coming is probably a lot sooner than we think. And I want us to be the encouragers to those that are around us. I hope that you were fully encouraged today. And I would love for you to follow me on Instagram if you want to for more encouragement because I think we can't get enough. There's enough loud, ugly voices of discouragement and depression around us that we can be uplifting and encouraging. And I want to do that together. So where do you find that encouragement? You didn't give them an address. It's at Chirpcast Amy on Instagram. Thank you. This is why you're here. You're you're the other half. I'm a bishop for a reason, and that is to tell everyone of your at Chirpcast Amy on Instagram. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, I will catch you next time and be encouraged. See ya.